0: It's October 26, 2022. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And uh, first up, we're going to have Alex Stokes. He's a assistant professor over at uh, JABSOM. And uh, we'll talk first about the Intersex Awareness Day, which just happens to be today, October 26. And, of course, uh, then Alex and I will... Kind of like uh, channel Chris Dancy, uh, and and we'll talk about things like uh, being the most connected man, and of course, uh, what it's be what it's like to be a mindful cyborg. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to welcome Dr. Alex Stokes, and uh, he's uh, over at uh, Jabsum, and of course, uh, you know this is a this is a day that uh, is is dedicated to Intersex Awareness Day. I I didn't know that, but. Uh, Alex you you brought that to my awareness so I want to welcome you to the, to the show and then tell us more about what what is it that you know that people need to know about intersex awareness day
1: Um thanks for thanks for having me on the show it's great to be here Um well intersex awareness day is a, an internationally observed awareness uh that we have each October 26th and it's designed to highlight human rights issues uh faced by intersex people and to make uh, intersex generally less stigmatic to the general public.
0: Now, now, you know, I I will admit uh, there's a lot of you know uh, I get exposed to a lot of you know L, LGBT plus types of topics, but tell me, I mean, this is the first time I'm really hearing about intersex. So, what exactly is intersex?
1: Um, well, I'll tell you, uh, it's quite complex. In general terms, it's uh, a term that's used for a variety of situations in which a person uh, is born with reproductive, chromosomal, hormonal, or sexual anatomy that doesn't really fit into the kind of male or female box. Um, sometimes this is called uh, differences of sexual development, or, or DSD, if you want to Google
0: that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and is this is this something that is uh, pretty common out there? I mean. And, and of course, it's
1: I, more common than, than you would think. but um, approximately 1.7 uh, percent of the population is intersex. Uh, that makes about six billion people in the USA, or 130 million people worldwide. It's about the same as the number of people with red hair, for example.
0: And I would imagine that. I mean, it's one thing to deal with, you know, how you if you grow up uh, and and uh, kind of questioning your your. I don't know sexuality and and the, the the challenges that it faces, but when when you're intersex, I mean that's kind of more of a, a medical thing, right? And and so you're you're even more complicated in how you kind of grapple with what exactly what exactly do you identify with?
1: Exactly, it does make it uh, very difficult for for various people, and because of the different traits and um, ways of being intersex is obviously. Can you know change your sexual identity as well as as well as your your physical sexual uh, outward appearance? Um, so it can be very hard for a person as they grow up, especially when they um, sometimes reach these decisions, and especially medically as they go through puberty, can be very tough.
0: And and you know, in terms of uh, that kind of counseling, especially if you're in in uh, you know, K through 12, are some of our educational institutions capable of of really kind of dealing with that?
1: Um, In terms of educating students about what intersex is, I think that generally speaking, uh, more needs to be done, Um, especially given how stigmatic it is. In in terms of undergraduate education, I know I include it in some of the classes I teach and at Javsum, the uh, medical students uh, encounter classes that talk about this kind of genetics and the, the physiology and medicine around being intersex. So I think, generally speaking, it's okay. I think we could do more though.
0: And and in in terms of, uh, you know, intersex awareness day, do you know how long that's been been going on? I
1: think it started in 1996. Uh, and it's the an anniversary of the first public demonstration by intersex people in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Boston. There was a large uh, uh, conference of American Academy Pediatrics, and they demonstrated outside. Um, uh, you know, and doctors dismissed this at the time as being a very very vocal minority uh, around that time. So it's kind of uh, the anniversary of that event that has been sort of celebrated as well.
0: I know, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago that uh, they had uh, kind of like Pride, pride Week. Uh, did anything happen today to bring some recognition to Intersex Awareness Day?
1: Um, I think generally, uh, apart from this wonderful radio show, you see it a lot on social media. There are definitely uh, Pride informational packets that go out uh, because we are a very small um, part of the population. And, uh, for example, I know the LGBTQI uh, center at uh, UH Manoa sent out a lovely uh, intersex awareness email to their, their distro list. And uh, I don't think there's any specific uh, events going on during Pride, but uh, in, intersex people have their own flag. It's yellow with a nice purple circle uh, in the middle, it's quite different from the other flags.
0: And and are you kind of like a, a self-appointed kind of spokesperson, or how, how did you become interested <laughs> in this topic?
1: Um I became interested because I'm actually intersex myself, and uh, I see this as a health inequity um, in sex and gender minorities. Uh, I have some research aspirations along those lines, but, uh, for example, I have a, what they call a, a complex mosaic. So instead of XY or XX for uh, male and female, mm-hmm. I have a, a mixture of XX, XY, XXY, or XXXY, uh, so I'm a, Real uh, mixture of different <laughs> uh, cell types. Um,
0: yeah. Wow. That that and then you know in terms of uh, uh, having having kind of grown up with that, I mean, how, were there any, I guess, uh, challenges along the way? I mean, what what the? Uh, how did you overcome uh, there's
1: that? Been a, a number of challenges, and uh, this goes without saying that there, there are always going to be challenges, especially in in medical terms. Um, Because they really, uh, the world doesn't test drugs for people that are in between male and female uh, in terms of intersex biology. Uh, I don't know of any FDA or other drugs that have ever been tested on a group other than just straight male or female um, binary patients. So definitely uh, there have been some issues in the past.
0: Yeah, I know, uh, you know, I don't know the, the situation that would... Would uh, result in myself, you know, trying to determine what my my chromosome uh, arrangement is. So, that must have mm-hmm. that must not have come till later on, right? I mean, it's not something that you do in in K through twelve.
1: Um, it, it can happen throughout life. I'm not really going to describe my medical pathway, but um, generally speaking, you know, indications can be things like hormone changes, etc in the terms of Kleinfelter syndrome, which is a, a pure XXY um, condition, um, people tend to be very tall, uh, and they have uh, developed slightly differently, cool. et cetera. And this is a- everything that the doctor will look for as someone goes through puberty, and that's when the doctors people rely out for this kind of uh, situation. But of course, we're always quite wary of, of doctors uh, as well, um, you know, sometimes doctors do surgeries on intersex babies and children to make their bodies fit a binary uh,
0: mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm.
1: of male or female. And doctors always assign intersex babies a legal sex, male or female, regardless.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: in most states, uh, some states allow for uh, an ex or, you know, to alleviate that. Um, but just like with uh, non intersex people, that doesn't necessarily mean that their gender identi- identity is what they'll grow up to have.
0: Right. Uh, and right. that
1: makes it tricky. So yeah.
0: so Alex, I mean what, what pronoun uh do you prefer?
1: I'm a they them.
0: they them. Okay. Well I, I mm-hmm. you know, pardon me if I <laughs> if I if I uh misstate myself, but uh I will try to keep it to they them. And and of course no uh problem. Alex, I mean what, what uh would you recommend people go check out if they wanted to learn more about this?
1: I would start with Google. Um, the, the, if you search for intersex, you'll find a lot of resources. The uh, world's largest, largest intersex advocacy group is called Interact. And they have a, a web address, interactadvocates.org, and that's pretty much going to be at the top of the Google search if you search on Interact and Intersex.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, and that's a good starting point with information for parents as well as uh, individuals
0: very good i will put that up on our show notes and of course uh, dr alex i i want to i really appreciate you sharing this with us I mean, this is brand new to me and and i think uh, i think it's it's worthy of of sharing with our listeners so ma- mahalo for that mm-hmm. we'll take a short break and when we return we'll uh, have dr alex join us again and we'll talk about the most connected man on earth this is bite marks cafe
1: Support for Bike Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Anchor Systems Hawaii.
0: Welcome back to Bike Marks Cafe on Hawaii Public Radio. And, of course, I'm happy to welcome uh, back to the show, because he never left, Alex Stokes. And uh, we're going to be talking about the most connected man on earth, and uh, what it's like to be a mindful cyborg. And before we do that, you know, uh, uh, Alex, I mean, we were going to have Chris Dancy, who's supposed to be the most connected man, but, you know, he's actually not that connected if he's flying over, you know, the continent and and not able to call in. So I I, I cannot see him being, actually claiming to be the most connected man. So we'll kind of leave it at that. He's he's sort of transit uh, someplace uh, over the over the uh, continent but uh i've got i've got alex and 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 we'll tackle this subject uh, together so alex i want to welcome you back to bite marks cafe
1: thank you again
0: (laughs) (laughs) so uh you know i i I don't want you to channel you know chris dancy but you know chris dancy Mm -hmm. is supposed to be this uh, most connected man on earth Uh, what what do Mm -hmm. you think makes him so
1: I think uh what makes him so is is the voyage of discovery he's gone through in in dealing with all of the technology that connects us to each other and ourselves our medical histories our lifestyles uh you know you name it he's he's tried it whether it's software or hardware over over decades now I think that's where the connection comes from
0: and and of course the connection between you and he and how I Wanted to reach out and, and have uh, you both on the, on the show was the fact that uh, you were interested in this topic and and um, basically invited him to be a speaker at, uh, at an upcoming event, right?
1: Um, that's correct. Uh, I wanted him to come over and give a talk. Um, I work with Kamehameha Schools Data Science Institute, and part of their upskilling and training program involves the the a number of uh, talks and seminars by people key in the field around data science uh, and all of the sort of big data buzzwords that we hear like blockchain a cyborg uh, Bitcoin and things like that to give a general understanding of, of how we are living in a data driven world at the moment
0: and and uh, you yourself are you are you uh, a guy that has uh, a lot of let's say gadgets uh you know tied to him whether it's a fitbit or a you know a, a, you know like an iWatch watch or or any any kind of other devices like uh the i guess it's called the aura ring i mean what do you what do you use
1: i i think i have a lot of good intentions when it comes to these things like most i have an iWatch watch that i use uh sometimes and sometimes i leave it at home um, I'm not committed one hundred percent to tracking everything I do like uh, like Chris is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find it useful as a kind of goal setting device when it, especially when it comes to, to fitness and exercise and things like that. It's a good way of telling myself that I've done enough and I can stop and uh, you yeah, know, maybe have a mal starter instead of carrying on.
0: So can can you can you go overboard with, you know, all the devices that you could perhaps uh attach to yourself and, and you know, measure the various aspects of your physicality?
1: I'm sure you can. I'm sure uh, uh, Chris will touch upon that when he gets <laughs> his uh, talk. But I think nowadays the, the these devices are so much less invasive than they have been in the last 20 years. You know, it used to take you know, 20 devices to do everything that you would find on an iWatch, and now you can just put it on your wrist, and it's, uh, you know, non-invasive. I even hear that you can do uh, glucose monitoring now through the skin. I think that is, that, that's very impressive technology.
0: And, and in terms of uh, what you see, you know, the, the data, I guess, uh, as a result of, of these devices collecting, I mean, how does this kind of contribute to things like uh, health equity? I think
1: it's starting to normalize health equity in a way of connecting yourself in the minutiae of your your health to a physician. I know, for example, on the iWatch you can get, uh, you know, an ECG from your heart. You can then show your your physician, if need be, um, without maybe needing to go into uh, and do labs or or heavy monitoring. So I think it's quite reassuring. Um, But it's yet to be seen whether uh, these things have an, an enormous impact as the as the decades go on, um, but I hope they continue to add more functionality to these things, and then they might become more useful cross correlate and,
0: and in the in the work that you 're doing uh at at jabsum and and with the projects uh that you 're involved in i mean do you see you know, uh, an increase in use of of these types of devices and and more and more data being collected.
1: Um, I do some research that that utilises electronic health records, and we do see annotations where uh, patients have at times uh, added their own information given to the doctor, and that's added in in the notes, like you know, the mm-hmm. patient saw an abnormal heartbeat on their iWatch or something like that. Um, at the moment, it's still reasonably rare as, as this becomes mainstream and people become more aware of the tools that they
0: have. Do you know of any cases where uh, any data that was collected as a result of a, a device helped to uh, maybe quicken or, or have a better uh, consultation as a result of that data gathering? Right.
1: Uh, not me personally, but I believe the Apple ads are. Uh, you know, they use those examples all the time, especially when it comes to you know severe events that they can detect, like a crash or a, a, a fall, perhaps maybe even an elderly patient. There's a fall detector in there, mm-hmm. I think, and they definitely have uh, had impacts. I just I haven't I haven't witnessed it
0: yet. And you know, on this on this topic of of uh, uh, digital health and and of course. Uh... Achieving health equity. Do you see the you, Do you see a potential gap occurring with uh, the folks that perhaps can't afford these devices and, and, and maybe not uh, getting the full uh, not treatment but you know full diagnosis that could be could be available if if everybody were to be um, have access to to these types of devices. I think
1: it could could aid in making diagnostics much quicker. I think the um, insurance companies and hospitals would have to catch up in being able to deal with just the sheer amount of data coming in. Um, But at a personal level, it's always going to help if you have some knowledge of your own um, sort of medical data other than what you feel like uh, when when you talk to a doctor. I think it would help enormously. I do think there, is, uh, there, are, there are big health inequities, um, but as I, I see, you know, every new version of the IA Watch or whatever uh, gets more expensive, mm-hmm. there's obviously a trickle-down effect to the ones that have less functionality. So um, I think as, as time goes on, um, it should be become more equal in terms of the different types of data that could be collected over time with each person.
0: Well, you know, the, one of the topics that's kind of near and dear to my heart is uh, the whole idea of digital equity. Uh, and that's just <clears> a basic, you know, foundational understanding of the digital technologies. <clears throat> but uh, I do want to talk more about, you know, the, the um, uh, project and the event that you're doing uh, over at KS because it's, it's kind of interesting that the, the fact that KS is actually starting up a, a, a data science institute, and I think there's a bunch of other projects that you're involved in that uh, involve data science. And I, I do want to get to that. So uh, we'll take a short break. And, of course, we'll continue our conversation with Alex Stokes. And, of course, we're talking about just uh, being better connected and leveraging data. And, of course, uh, we'll get into the idea of, of uh, how do you find pathways into data science. This is Bite Marks Cafe.
1: Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Na Mea, Hawaii and PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training.
0: Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe on HPR One. I'm Bert Lom. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Alex Stokes and uh, we're talking about digital health and the tools that help to better inform us about our health and and right before the break uh you know we were talking about some of the uh events that are coming up and and uh, the the sort of the expertise that you Alex have have invited to to uh, come to Hawaii and share their sort of specialties and i know this one that's coming up for uh, KS but it's kind of tied to their data science institute and and that's that's another new idea to me. I mean, this is the first time I'm hearing uh, KS has a data science institute. So, tell me a little bit about that. I know I know about uh, Helen Turner over at uh, Chaminade. I know Gwen Jacobs over at the uh, University of Hawaii, but uh, I I didn't realize that KS was starting something like this.
1: Um, they're calling it a, an institute. It's a virtual institute within their own system. And it's designed to sort of enhance data capabilities within their, uh, the structure of, of the institution in that um, they want to not only upskill uh, staff that wish to learn more about, you know, handling large amounts of data, but be able to ask serious questions about the data that they have uh, that they haven't done before, you know, whether that's uh, looking at uh, student outcomes or, you um, Uh, training opportunities for students and and staff. Um, A large amount of it is actually really uh, critical thinking in that a lot of times people come into a question and it's very, very narrow and it's healthy to step back and look at multiple variables and see whether there's any uh, correlations that you're you're missing because you might have some kind of a a bias or uh, you're just too close to the question to step back,
0: Mm -hmm, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And, and in, in the case of uh, KS, is it more geared to uh, their, their um, uh, I don't know, instructors or their administration or the folks that work at KS, or do they have uh, interest in, in getting students interested in this area?
1: I'm sure they are interested in students. Uh, getting interested in data science. It's a great job to have uh, later in life. But in this case, it's really for the administrative Staff, those that are handling the data day to day, whether that's mm-hmm. uh, financial student records or uh, or anything along those lines, it's, it's not really for the the students themselves.
0: Now, you know, I uh I coincidentally, I mean and of course this is the first time I've I've had you on the show, uh but Helen Turner was on uh with um uh, Raylan, Raylan um Chong, right? And and they were on uh, primarily because I wanted to find out more about this alliance supporting Pacific impact through computational excellence, which you happen to be one of the co-PIs for.
1: Hello? Uh, yes, I'm co-PI on that grant, and uh, that's a great acronym that Helen came up with. The, uh, all- <laughs> yeah.
0: I- so, so when when I was uh, talking to Helen, it sounded like this Program was really kind of geared to uh, getting getting more students interested in data science and finding pathways that they could uh, get into the get into the subject matter. I mean, is are you seeing some of this happen across uh, you know the 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 schools that are out there, public schools, private schools?
1: Um, we are seeing some of that, and, and part of the Allspice program also has some K through twelve. Uh, components to it, including the I Am A Scientist program, which has not only handled data science but other scientific uh, interactions with the Shaman uh, I Am A Scientist team. And they're, they're doing wonderful things and touch on um, many young students who have an inkling but uh, have no experience. So, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. In terms of undergraduates and graduates, we have a, a plethora of, of funding mechanisms that are trying to enhance Data science in the state. Uh, I'm PI on an uh, STEM, which provides scholarships for undergraduate and graduate students in biology to enhance their data science skills. And uh, we have a number of other projects that provide scholarships, not only NSF, but NIH-funded uh, systems as well.
0: So, so uh, back up a little bit. So you mentioned I am a scientist. <clears throat> I am a scientist. And is sure. that a is that a shamanad? Project. I mean, I've seen I've seen some of the. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I've seen social media posts by I am a scientist on Instagram. Is that mm-hmm. is that correct?
1: Yep, that's right. They've been around for a while, wow. um, but we're expanding the, the 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 menu of of available uh, courses that they want to uh, interact with the students with uh, to include data science now as part of the uh, alliance. So we really are starting them young on understanding data. Uh, I suppose that's really important given that they're all going to grow up with iPhones and watches and, and uh, they need to have an idea of the data that they're going to be seeing uh, throughout their lives.
0: And so, so who's the, who's the organizer behind I am a scientist? Is that, is that a team at Shamanad or where's that uh, originating from?
1: That is, that is Shamanad and Laurie Shimoda at Shamanad. Um, it's uh, fantastic and has been running this for, for many years.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I will definitely pay more attention because I see the posts come up. I watch the videos. I I find it fascinating, but it never really dawned on me until you just brought it up that you know it's a it's a local team generating all that content.
1: Yeah, and and the number of students they've worked with is in the many thousands now. Um, I think it's fantastic what they're
0: doing. And then uh, you mentioned something called STEM. What is what is STEM?
1: Yeah, NSFM is a funding opportunity that the NSF provides, so they've given me uh, $1.5 million to give out in the form of um, stipends to students who are doing some kind of biology major, undergraduate or graduate, over a period of of three years. Um, And in in return, they have to do a little bit of data science training and um, turn up to some of the seminars that we propose, um, just so they have a better range of skills, and this makes them much more competitive, not only in an academic environment, but if they decide to go into something else like finance or, or anything that involves data, they'll have that added skill on their resume.
0: So the uh, so the STEM program is primarily for college students?
1: Yeah, it's, all for, uh, it's entirely for college
0: students. And then uh, what, what, what can I look for if there's a, a, a program getting set up for, let's say, high school?
1: I would reach out to the I am a Scientist group at Chaminade and see whether they can uh, come to your school and uh, teach you some data science. I think that would be fun.
0: Yeah, that's good. And so you, what? How many? How many grant programs are you working on?
1: Uh, it went from about three to nine or ten right now. It's been a crazy summer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, Alex. what? What uh, can people? Where can people go to find out more about what what you're working on?
1: Um, in general terms, uh, if you go to the Hawaii Data Science Institute, uh, that's datascience.hawaii.edu, there's a plethora of news articles and contacts that you can make. And generally, uh, it's a great resource to find out what's going on in the state in terms of data science.
0: Well, very good. I'll put that uh, up on our show notes. And, of course, uh I really appreciate you joining us. Alex Stokes, Dr. Alex Stokes, is the assistant professor over at JABSUM and co-principal investigator for the NSF-funded alliance supporting Pacific impact through computational excellence or all-spice. And, Alex, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Pat. And, of course, thank you for listening to Bite Marks FA. Join us next week when we'll hear from Hawaii Green Growth and, of course, their work on the UN Sustainable Development Goals, If you missed any part of this edition, you can find a podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And, of course, our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app or on your favorite podcast application. You stay safe. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Stay tuned. Reveal is next.